0: All right, okay. So here we are for another episode of AmeriCorps Alumni Network. Um, I'm Nikki Fiacco. For those of you who are newly uh, tuning in, this is where we have conversations with national service members, uh, AmeriCorps alumni. Um, As you can see, there's a plethora of ways of being an AmeriCorps alum, Um, and I'm so excited to be here with uh, Kate Morton, who um, served in NCCC, and she's going to give us her background and highlights of her service year, and then what she's up to now, and um, some sneak peeks of of what's going on um, in her world. Um, But for those of you, again, who are tuning in for the first time, Nikki Fiacco, I'm an AmeriCorps alum. I served in 2012 in state and national program. Um, I served in Anne Arundel County, uh, Maryland, where I was in environmental education, supporting regional parks in Recruiting volunteers for their environmental education. I had a transformative experience in AmeriCorps, which led me to be the executive director of the State Service Commission for Maryland, working under the Hogan administration, and also down in South Carolina for a bit, um, working in their service commission. You guys are amongst over a million people who have served in AmeriCorps. Like, we are. We are a million strong and we're growing and um, we, you know, the the United States, we are leaning into service and um, I'm bringing us, I'm hoping to bring us all together so we can connect, share our experiences and leverage the opportunities that we have um, through our networking experiences. I talked to somebody the other day, this is like networking on at a different level. So um, I could go on forever, but this is all about Kate. So, Kate, um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let's dive into
1: um, how you found AmeriCorps and what your service year was like. Thank you so much, Nikki. And it's such an honor to be here. I'm actually celebrating my 20 year anniversary of having joined AmeriCorps this year. So, um, I was in NCCC in 2003 um and if you know you know it is NCCC, not nccc so just just that um
0: can you say what nugget? that stands for because i always get that wrong
1: yes um i can it is the national civilian community corps thank you um and even though it's on my patch on my sweatshirt i still have to remind myself too NCCC. um So I and I did that in 2003. And um, it was it was absolutely life changing. And my family and my wife are so tired of hearing me talk about how amazing it was. I really got myself into an Uncle Rico situation like from Napoleon Dynamite. And so I'm so excited to be here where someone will actually let me talk for 45 minutes about my entire AmeriCorps year because it was so awesome. Um, So I grew up in Connecticut. That's where I'm from. um, And I was I always knew that I wanted to be something to do with a helping profession, whatever that was, I had no idea. And when I graduated from high school, um, I, I didn't have a job, I started to take some classes at a community college. And then um, I walked into CVS one day, and they had a, (laughs) they had a sign saying that they were hiring for a pharmacy technician. And I I was like, well, I don't really know what a pharmacy technician was, but I thought, okay, it might be kind of cool to wear a white lab coat at work. And, you know, this this seems this seems like a legit maybe career move for me. I'm going to go for it. And so I got a job as a pharmacy tech um, and I was taking community college classes and um, I, you know, was kind of going on like that for a while. And then um, in one of my community college classes, uh, I met up with a friend who I'd known from high school and she said, I just got back from my year with AmeriCorps and triple C, you have to do it. It's totally transformative. It changed my life. It's, I mean, the best memories I've ever had, you have to do it. So, um, I did, I, I went home, I told my mom, my family was super supportive. Um, and even though I was this, um, kind of, you know, shy, anxious kid from Connecticut, um, I, applied for AmeriCorps and went outside of my comfort zone and was placed in Denver, Colorado for the year. Um, And I had, again, a lot of support from my family and it was, little did I know I was going to be outside of my comfort zone for the entirety of the 10-month service year. Um, And so just for those of you who don't know what NCCC is, I feel like there's just so many different ways that you can serve, like you said, Nikki. So uh, it is it is a team-based program. And so um, you're put on teams of 10 to 12, maybe 15 people. And then you go around, you're you're assigned to a base um, and there's five, maybe six bases nowadays. Um, back in my day, there were only five. And you're paired with people from all around the country and you're serving on these community service teams for, for the whole year. And so your year gets broken up into four projects and you... You know, each project is different. And so you travel um, and you serve these projects and the program covers all of your living expenses and your travel expenses. Um, and then you get a teeny tiny little stipend um, for fun things. And so basically, I lived in a dorm when when we were out in Denver. And then um, my first project was in Detroit, Michigan. So I had to learn how to drive a 15 passenger van. And that was a really Detroit. big experience to Detroit, to and in and around Detroit. Oh, wow. Cautious Kate. That was like a huge deal for me. Um, And so, I mean, we, we went there, that was my first project and we were doing taxes for people who were really low income. Um, And I didn't even know what a W2 was. I was 20 years old. I mean, I had, I just did, I had no idea, but we learned how to do taxes. And, um, and I was really, I thought, man, I don't want to spend, winter in Detroit for 10 weeks that's a that's you know it was going to be over my 21st birthday some of my some of my co-core members had projects in you know South Padre Island and you know and I was like not looking forward to going to Detroit but it was it ended up being so amazing um the people there were just incredible and it was really eye-opening for me um uh and then now I know how to do taxes so that that all worked out. Um, it's so, I just want to reflect on how empowering AmeriCorps can be for us. Um,
0: I did my service year when I was in my thirties, but whatever, it's still like, you're given this, like, I don't know. You're just given this, like, you can like, we're going to give you the tools and you can do it. We believe in you. And you're like, why, why do you believe in me? Like, (laughs) why are you putting me in charge? But it's like a program that is set up for success. And I know I also want to just hold space for people who have had a pretty shitty or crappy service year, like that happens too. Um, but it is amazing that they're, we're given the tools during our service year to to succeed.
1: Totally. And I mean, who would have, I never would have had that experience otherwise. That would have been a set of skills that I absolutely, there would would have been no way for me to have, have garnered those skills in any other way. So
0: And I told you I was going to interrupt. I'm sorry. And I will say too, it's, it's the skills of being able to file taxes, but it's also the skills of connecting with people because financial stuff is really intimate and very, very personal. And so to, for a 20 something year old to sit across the desk from somebody who's like, yeah, uh, this is my stuff. Like even that, like that, that is not a soft skill. That is like, a scale scale. And that can be carried forever.
1: Totally. And, and, that, and that you're absolutely right. And you weren't even there, but it was, it was amazing because I, you know, I would have folks come in and say, you know, I have three kids and this is my, you know, annual salary. And we would help them get the deductions that they, and the tax credits that they, you know, deserved. And I had people crying and just being so thankful. And it, I mean, really it was, very very impactful at a at a young age for me when I was trying to figure stuff out in my life so absolutely um and and I think you know you touched on a lot of these different skills not just the taxes but working with um working on a team of people working and living with these people together I mean it was co- kind of kind of like the real world on MTV way back in the day, yes. but also you're working with these folks and you're trying, that's yeah. our next thing. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was just an amazing experience. And I mean, I know you had, a you've had a lot of guests so far say how they have lifelong friends from AmeriCorps. And that, that absolutely was true for me too. So um, yeah, so, so Detroit was amazing. I loved the culture. Uh, it was a really great experience. And then from there, we went back to Denver, which was our base, and we did our um, our local project. So we were in Boulder, and we went into the mountains every day, hiked up into the mountains, and we cut down trees that were infected with pine beetles with a chainsaw. And again, cautious Kate doesn't use a chainsaw. This is crazy, but I learned how to do it, and I did it, and, um, and, and, and it was just beautiful. I mean, you're in nature every single day for eight weeks, and um, you know, again, never would have had that experience had I not been in, in this, you know, AmeriCorps, um, uh, project. So that was great. Our third, my third project was, um, what they call shuffle rounds. So all the teams in our unit got shuffled around and then they matched us up with new people and we sort of got to pick what type of project we did for that session. And so, um, our team went to Des Moines, Iowa, and we worked at a camp for people with disabilities. It was an Easter Seals camp. So we lived with the campers. We lived in the cabins on, on the um, at the camp and learned all about health care and how to help people have fun in different ways if they had different abilities. Um, we did a lot of personal care to get our campers ready in the morning and, and really um, provided care that way directly. And during that, um, during that project, I met uh, one of my fellow Corps members who was on my team for that shuffle round and he was very open about his HIV diagnosis and how he was feeling and how he was stigmatized. And um, And he, he actually did a whole talk to our entire AmeriCorps um, unit. And he was a really great activist and that really got me thinking, okay, I'm sort of leaning towards healthcare you know, I had this pharmacy tech thing way back when, maybe I go to pharmacy school and maybe what I really want to focus on is HIV and helping people who, you know, have typically been marginalized or discriminated against. Um, and so those sorts of ideas were already kind of brewing for me, um, during that project. And then after that we were, I was and back with I, my, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just circle back
0: around. Cause one of the things that you shared with me when we Check when we chatted last week was that you had a colleague when you were at CVS say you should go to pharmacy school and you were not confident in yourself. I mean, that's what you should. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but, you know, also, I think that that is something that's really important when we think about our service years that you, somebody already said, Hey, you should do this. And you're like, "Uh, no, that's not for me. But then you're going through this experience and you're like, wait, I can actually make a difference. Yeah, I don't know if you want to reflect I, back on that, but it just yeah. made me think about like how you were like I couldn't do this and then you were like yeah.
1: oh maybe I would I want to do this. Yeah, I it's it's so true. I mean, I um my pharmacy manager said you should go to pharmacy school. You're you're not going to want to be a technician for the rest of your life. You're going to hit a point where you're going to want to learn more and you're going to want to do more and you should really go to pharmacy school. And I thought there's no way I'm going to get through chemistry. I mean, I didn't do great in chemistry in high school. I had a terrible teacher. And, and I really, you're right. My confidence was totally shattered and I, I didn't think I could get through the school. Um, And so I think it really took all of this time in AmeriCorps being outside of my comfort zone for 10 months at a time, literally every single thing I did from, I, I never had lived away from home before. I mean, I had to learn how to cook and feed 12 people. We learned how to budget grocery shop. I mean, just sort of run a household, so to speak with 10 of my closest friends. Um, and and so all of these things, I think over time really got me sort of used to and and more, comfort, more comfortable and sort of maybe reset my comfort zone mm-hmm. a little bit so that mm-hmm. by the end, I was like, okay, I have a clear path forward. I know what I wanna do and I'm gonna do it. And if I fail trying, who cares? I just, I'm gonna do it, you know, I'm gonna try. Um, so my last project was again, with my core team. And we were in South Dakota on a reservation, um, living in a single and a half wide trailer with 10 of us. And we were there to open up a boys and girls club um, on the reservation. And this was a really rural area. It was a really small reservation. We were probably 30 or 40 miles from grocery stores, laundry, um, you know, any restaurants or anything like that. Um, And that also was really, really impactful for me. I got to see a lot of um, health disparities and a lot of folks, you know, struggling with, with different things in the healthcare arena. There was a lot of um, folks that I met who had different addictions and, you know, different substance use disorders. Um, Teen pregnancy was super high. And um, so I got to learn quite a bit about that and just sort of I mean, just in general, rural healthcare and and sort of how that structure is um, you know, works. And so that I think really fed in again to sort of this plan that was brewing for me that, hey, I really, these are the things that I want to focus on. I want to be in healthcare. Um, I like pharmacy. I've, you know, I've been a pharmacy tech before. I, I sort of know what that is. That seems familiar enough to me, but I really wanted to, you know, go go full speed ahead with that. And so. I ended up moving to New Mexico after my core year. Um, And because I really liked the Southwest region, I thought that, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I wanted to go back to Connecticut. And I, had you asked me 12 months before that, I would have said, absolutely not. I'm not going to move away from home. That's crazy. Um, But one of my fellow core members said, you know, you should go to the University of New Mexico. It's a really diverse place. The culture is, Really amazing. It's super unique. Um, I think you're gonna really like it. And so I went and toured the school. And next thing I know, I moved there and <laughs> started, started doing my prereqs for pharmacy school. That's so cool.
0: That's so cool. And I mean, by traveling around the country with NCCC, it opened up like, oh, there is life out, out of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just feel like we come from like such a small shelter. Or, some of us come from like a small sheltered sort of like it's hard to think about like the moving basically mm-hmm. across the country, you know, across the country and down, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, how, do, how can I make this happen? Like, how could I even do this? But then you, you're living out of a duffel bag, yeah. right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm working with a Vista member who did NCCC, Um, and he said um, his experience with N triple C helped him learn how to pack because he had, he had a duffel bag and he had a tent, you know, like it was like, mm, um, but it, it just opens up the possibility of like, oh, well I can do this. Um, it, it yeah, it's just, a, it makes things available. I love how you framed that you reset your comfort zone. And I like, that's a thing. Like, I, I feel like that is a thing. Like yeah. I, I just, I just think that that is um, it's yes. I think a service share can definitely make you reset like what you're comfortable with. Like so many times the the project can be ambiguous and mm-hmm. it's like, we just need you to do this. And you're like, what are the steps to do it? You know, and right. they're like, you figure it out. It's like, Oh my God. Okay. Um, so I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I think it's great. Please do. All right. So you you were in North Dakota, and your mind your mind was blown.
1: Yep. And I was ready to just jump in. I thought maybe I'll work for Indian Health Services um, or the Public Health Corps or something like that. I was really really interested in public health and wanted to continue working with folks who don't usually have access to healthcare or you know who may have faced discrimination or you know some other inequities. Um, and and that became really interesting to me. Um, So, you know, and I think a point that you just made a a few minutes ago um, in terms of pulling these skills and, you know, just sort of figuring things out, I think, you know, AmeriCorps slogan at least least 20 years ago was getting things done. And, you know, I mean, that's really one of the skills and one of the experiences that I still call upon today in my career where you know, I may not know how to do stuff. You're charting your own course a lot of times and you're just sort of figuring it out. But, you know, you sort of get used to just figuring it out for a year. And like you said, some of the projects may be a little bit nebulous. You may have to pivot a little bit based on, you know, maybe once you get to the project, it was a little, you know, a little bit different than the project description that you got on your way there. Um, I, I mean, for a million different reasons, having to pivot and having to just, figure it out and and i think the fact that that was part of the culture of AmeriCorps, just sort of go in ask questions look it up research try something see if it works um you know work with your team and see who's who's got the best idea to how, in terms of how to move this thing forward but get it done and we did and that's definitely stuck with me over the past 20 years for sure
0: that's amazing and so you kind of talked about how you did your service year and I love how you shared so many details about the different projects that you have or that you, that you did during your service year. Um, So now you're in New Mexico, you're doing pharmacy school and how does like, let's talk about what you're doing now. Cause like, I don't know if y'all know, but she's pretty much a rock star sort of, we got a rock star (laughs) right here, right now. Um, You know, I just, I, like I, like I, I told Kate before we started recording that I've already shared her story with like 20 people this week. I'm like, so this woman, Kate, she's amazing. And triple C. Um, so yeah, let's go. Where are you now? What do you do? Because you're like on
1: your way to like save the world. <laughs> That's the goal. Cool. Um, so I, I did go to pharmacy school. Turns out I made it through spoiler alert. She didn't to, passed I didn't chemistry. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and, and so I did, I, I focused in sort of HIV and, and really kind of specialized there. Um, when I got out of pharmacy school, I really took a non-traditional path. Um, I applied for a residency, which is a one-year postgraduate, um, sort of year, almost like AmeriCorps in a weird way. Mm. Um, and I, I got my dream residency and I moved down to El Paso, which is right along the U.S.-Mexico border. And so, um, And I found basically the closest thing to an AmeriCorps year that I could have possibly found. It was this amazing group of clinics that were right on the border. I had to learn how to speak Spanish um, and I got to be in a community health center. So I don't, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically like this magic, magical unicorn of healthcare and They're generally nonprofit clinics, and sometimes they receive grant funding, other government funding sources, um, and they basically are these amazing service centers that have mental health, physical health resources, dental, you know, some of them have optometry services, um, outreach, we had cooking classes at ours, um, education, Harm reduction I mean they just have the idea is they have all of these embedded services under one roof and they're really meant to be more of a safety net for folks who are either uninsured or underinsured um, or who need those services. So that's the kind of pharmacy that I practiced. I was in these types of community health centers. we did have a pharmacy embedded inside there but it looks very different than um, sort of the traditional retail pharmacy that that I was in in CBS um, years before that. We, I also was able to see my own patients and really help with their treatment plans. We did, I mean, we did all kinds of creative stuff. We were, I had a diabetes clinic um, and we would take patients over to do a grocery store tour at their local grocery store and help them cook meals for $5 or less for a family of four and come up with recipes that were healthy and that were, you know, friendly to diabetes and stuff. So I really do feel like, that was an opportunity for me to sort of pull together a lot of these different interests and a lot of these different experiences and get creative and be a pharmacist in a really different way than I had ever heard of before. Um, so that was where I sort of started right out of school. Um, from there, I moved back to New Mexico and um, really got into healthcare, I mean, leadership really. So. Um, I went to another community health center that was an HIV clinic, and that that's really my, my passion, um, and I ran the whole pharmacy program, and I was so fortunate to um, have met, I, I met an amazing mentor who I actually still work with in a totally different setting now, um, and she really helped me sort of define what kind of leader I wanted to be. And mm. I was, I remember feeling like, but I really want to help people. I like the direct service stuff. That's my thing. And she said, you know, I think you're really going to like being a leader because you're going to be taking care of and helping the teams that are then taking care of yeah the people. And, and I think you're going to enjoy designing programs and, you know, making change in a bigger, in a bigger way. And I really did. Um, and then from there, I, I kind of took a little bit of a turn and, Um, you know, I had, I had this idea that I was a pharmacist and this is what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, then you're the director of pharmacy and then where do you go? What do you do? Um, and I got the opportunity again from another mentor who, who said, you know, I think you can be a chief operating officer of this clinic. And so I sort of got out of my lane and used a lot of the skills that I had developed in my previous roles to then sort of pivot and Brought in my reach and suddenly I'm over a whole clinic and, you know, and, and again, I, I didn't know how to do that. That was certainly out of my comfort zone, but, um, you know, just kept calling resetting. on my skills and resetting yeah. and, you know, and moving forward. And, um, so I've been the chief operating officer of a couple of different clinics now. Um, currently I work, um, for, uh, a company that I helped found with this Um, with my previous mentor that I referenced called Access Research Group, and we specialize in clinical research, and we mostly have clinical research trials for folks living with HIV or who are at higher higher risk for HIV. We've done a lot of COVID work, um, a lot of clinical trials related to COVID testing and um, testing for chlamydia and gonorrhea, Um, And so we really use clinical research as a gateway to care for folks in the community. So clinical research, you don't have to have insurance. Um, All your treatment is free related to the study, and Mm. it gives people early access to things that they may not otherwise have access to. So we've been using research, especially in the HIV field, for decades, um, to give people early access to new treatments and, um, to really make sure that we were keeping folks alive. Of course, now it's thankfully a much more chronic illness. We think about it, but there's still research being done. We're doing a trial right now. In fact, looking at, um, treatment for folks it, and it would be an infusion or an injection every six months rather than a handful of pills every day. And so, um, so yeah, it, it's super rewarding, but I'm, I really do call on all of my AmeriCorps skills every day, even now. Yeah. yeah. So would, um, if people
0: are interested in participating in the research, is it a regional or local? Um, like, what's the scope of that?
1: Yeah, good question. It is It is pretty local or regional. We actually have clinics, two clinics in New Mexico. We have one clinic in um, Salt Lake City now, and then we we also have one in El Paso, Texas, um, very close to where I did my residency. So, so we have a few different locations, but there also are lots of other clinical trial sites across the country. And, you know, it could be a, a really good option for folks um, to look into. So when, when you're doing a clinical,
0: uh, a clinical research, how long, like how long does that usually last? Right. Cause if you're doing like, can you research
1: forever? <laughs> Technically, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really just depends on the study and and what the study is aiming to do. So um, for some of our HIV trials, we're in that for the long haul. Maybe some of them are a couple of years long, and we're really studying folks to see how they do mm-hmm. years out from their treatment. Um, we also have shorter trials for, um, we're doing some trials right now looking at uh, new ways to test for COVID, and those are much shorter trials because we collect the specimen, we run the test, and I mean, the, yeah. that that visit's over. And so, yeah, it just kind of depends, but um, but it's typically a mix.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um.
1: So thinking about like
0: you brought in a lot of your skills that you had got from uh N Triple C into what you're doing now um I was thinking as you were talking um you were talking about your N Triple C I wanted to go back to that really quick because you guys are on the road you're in you know you said oh it's really nice we're out in nature like what's the wildest thing like did you wake up with a bear like next to your tent like I don't know if you can reflect back and think I, I just think it's it's interesting to think about like, the craziest stuff that happened during, during your service year. And, and I'm going to reflect back on, I mean, I wasn't in NCCC, but I was in environmental studies. So, and in parks. So I can imagine, I, I think I could probably come up with something, but I don't know <laughs> if there's anything that you could think about that. It was just wild, you know, like there was a bear or a coyote or something <laughs> that
1: showed up in your, in your... <laughs> um, Luckily, no bears or coyotes, but we did have quite a few wolf spiders in South Dakota when we were on the res. Um, And and we don't have that in Connecticut. And I had never seen a spider so giant. Um, And they're poisonous. They're not quite as big as tarantulas, but tarantulas are pretty harmless. These are large and ugly and scary and scary. we're in this little you know, we're in this little single and a half wide trailer um so yeah I mean I don't know if that's the craziest thing I could remember but uh but definitely that was definitely one of the the memorable memorable experiences now 20 20 years later yeah yeah, um, yeah. it has an imprint spiders yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: exactly I I do recall um a team building activity that we had. And it was uh, along the Chesapeake. And I think this was the first time that I actually saw a horseshoe crab, like in real life. And then we realized that it was like mating season. And this was an area where they actually like, kind of come and do their thing. Um, And, and when I first saw it, I was like, is that a helmet? You know, like <laughs> what is that thing? And it's got that long tail. So yeah. I was like, is it a is it a stingray? Like yeah. I was so ignorant. Um, and that was after my school, right? Um, that was something that was pretty interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, so, we we saw buffalo, like herds of buffalo, yeah. just wandering through the the um, plains in South Dakota. I mean, it. I, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, just so different to be in all of these different states and different parts of the country. And then even being with people who are from all these different parts of the country. I mean, I never, I I had never been around that many people who were not from the East coast. And I didn't realize that I had a little bit of an accent. I said weird things that nobody else knew. I mean, you know, just learning all of those differences that make us all really unique and, and add flavor to our culture was really, really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. That's so great. What a, what a great experience. And, and the things that you're doing now, um, you know, while, you know, I always tell people like, I didn't really join AmeriCorps AmeriCorps for the altruistic sort of self helping the community. I literally thought I was signing up for a job. So it took me a little bit of time to be like, what, what is this thing? And then I drank the juice and now I am selling the juice, you know, um, um, so it's just really cool to hear everybody else's experiences with AmeriCorps. And, um, you know, the audience that we have for this this podcast um, are specifically for alumni. Um, but there's people also that, I mean, I don't know how to make it private on YouTube, so it's public. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody could like be like, what is this crazy thing? Um, so if you were to like kind of reflect, let's just say somebody came upon this and they hadn't had an AmeriCorps experience, like what, what would you suggest that they kind of think about either before they even start or during their service year or any words of wisdom? And then I have another follow-up question to that.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like I've been really trying to shout, shout this from the rooftops for the last 20 years, but um, I, you know, I think I think clearly it's different for everyone. I think that you also get, get out of it, what you put into it. And if you're able to go in and as difficult as it is, just have a super open mind and, you know, try anything and just really be there to learn and to help and to serve. I think is um, I think the, the better that you're able to do that, the more that you're able to get out of it, because there are definitely going to be projects that you're not as excited about. Um, they're not your first choice. Um, I, you know, there were a million other projects that I probably would have picked over some of the ones that I got assigned to, but in retrospect have been just so excited that I got what I got because, mm-hmm. um, because it was just so, so far outside of my comfort zone and, and such different things than I thought that I would ever be doing. But, um, you know, it really wound up being really, really educational and and just transformative for me. Um, so I think yeah, I think I would just recommend a doing AmeriCorps B going going into it with a really open mind and and really just sort of be open to to what your service year has to teach you and what you're able to contribute to your team.
0: Yeah, that's so that's 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 a great reflection um and then thinking about like um in our AmeriCorps Alum LinkedIn network, there's about twenty three thousand. In there. It's so cool. And I have a little, I have administrative uh, like accessibility to that. Um, I have all the little, I have all the little gadgets. I'm like, I like peeking from I am the man behind the green curtain. Um, no, I'm not, but it's cool because I see like every day anywhere between three to 10 people uh request to join the group. Oh, cool. And what's what I think is just so exciting is that we have a shared but different experience, right? Like I didn't do Triple I didn't, I was in one place, you know, whatever. Um, but thinking about like the, our larger AmeriCorps alum network, and I didn't prep you for this question. So if you're like, uh, I don't know um, what, like, I don't know. What would you want the, the the network to either think about or know or, because there's a lot of us. And I feel like if we galvanize around service and again i'm not saying that in like the altruistic let's go in and solve all the problems because we can't do that right like but i feel like during our service year we had to learn how to bridge bridge polarization and I'm just, I feel like this is a moment for AmeriCorps alums to come together. And again, at the top here, all these different ways of serving, of coming together and like just doing something magnificent. So if you were to leave like some message or something for our AmeriCorps alum group, what do you think that like we could think about? And and I mean it could be based around the work that you do because it's so far out of the scope of like anything I I was like wait what you're a pharmacist and you see I don't understand this can I just come see you (laughs) oh yeah and I did say um don't start sending your medical records to Kate like she (laughs) doesn't
1: don't do that (laughs) can you read my blood work (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah I mean you're right that's a broad question and I think that there's probably a hundred different ways to answer it but I think one thing that um sort of as I'm reflecting on all of this is, uh, well, two things. One is, I think it's important to keep volunteering and keep mm. serving somewhere, doing something even after your AmeriCorps year. That's been really important for me to feel like I'm still connected to my community. And I remember when I got out of AmeriCorps, man, did I have a hard time readjusting back to normal life because... I I was like, man, these people don't get it. They, you know, they now I, I'm I'm all of a sudden, you know, I have this clear vision and I've had all these amazing experiences. And then to return back to my old life, it felt like, you know, I'm a different person now. You you don't even understand me, sort of a thing. And yeah. so um, so that's something that really helps me personally stay connected to what I'm passionate about. And that way, even if I'm having a bad day at work, I can still. You know, remember. You know, I can still get out of my head and go volunteer and and you know do other projects on the side. And so that's something that I really would would encourage other folks to do. Um, right now, I'm volunteering for a global health organization um, with a uh, we have a project in Ukraine and we're um, you know helping folks on the front line and and I help them with some administrative stuff because that's that's something that I have experience with that other people might find useful. So. I love the idea of continuing to to volunteer and continuing to serve in some capacity. Um, I think it's amazing to stay in contact with one another through platforms like LinkedIn and and others. Um, and then I think the other thing that I would say is, I I feel like to a large degree it's our job to sort of help the next generation or the next group of people sort of coming up, and so. Um, I love the idea of mentorship and you know, really reaching out to folks who may have career questions or questions about AmeriCorps or, or you know, just things in general where we can can really help mentor the next generation and learn from them too, obviously I mean honestly, that's one of the things that I have loved about my early days as a pharmacist was we got to take students on rotation and I would learn something new every single day mm-hmm. from my students. and so I think I think, we have to keep that going in our real life too, not just in the academic standpoint, but in general and in our everyday life. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's how I would answer that.
0: Well, for me, throwing you a a fastball, you really return that very quickly. (laughs) I don't play baseball, so I don't know why I'm trying to make, (laughs) should do something with soccer. I love the idea. Like, I think that everything you said is, is like so spot on. I love the idea of mentorship and something that's like real low-hanging fruit. And maybe this is something that I can like put together, is every state except for actually South Dakota has um a state service commission. And those state service commissions um run state and national AmeriCorps programs in the state. So when we're thinking about not when we're thinking about mentorship, like they generally have anywhere between you know, seven to 30 grantees that have anywhere between 200 and 4,000 members in the state. Um, And so that would be a really interesting way to, to interesting project to connect alumni to the state service commissions to do that mentoring work or to create alumni chapters. But that's a whole other beast in and of itself. But um, wow, that was really great, Kate. Like you shared a lot of really good information and your story is, it's just, it's just another example of how national service um can just it it finds you. It finds the people. It's a calling, like we're called to it. And then it brings us to later after our service year into our purpose. And then suddenly we're turning around going, wow, now I'm serving the community in such a different way. And big and small, right? Like you're serving oh, the community yeah. a pretty big way. I mean, you know, and other AmeriCorps alum are serving communities in smaller but impactful ways and um it's just the only way that we can continue this program is to share stories and that's what I'm hoping that this thing that I'm doing is is helping to share the stories of the transformation of the people that go through the projects um and then the changes that they're making after their service year and that they continue to make
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a great platform for that. And I'm excited to hear future interviews too. I've listened to all the all the ones that have come before me. I I, I want to say something based on what you just said about big and small, um, you know, serving the community. I feel like that's I think that it's a myth that we have to be doing something huge in order to be making a difference. I mean, even just really small things can add up. Um, and I remember early on before AmeriCorps, I was talking with my uncle Pete, he's a nurse and he's just this coolest person. He's a, he's a nurse at the VA. Um, and he does a lot of mental health work and things. And I remember telling him, uncle Pete, I don't know what to do. I want to be in a helping profession. Um, but I don't know which direction I go. Do I go healthcare? Do I do something different? Social work? You know, what, what does that look like? And and I remember him telling me anything could be a helping profession. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you don't have to have that designation or that label, um, you know, you can pick anything and find a way to help people and serve your community in doing that. So at the time I was like, do I want to be an architect? I don't know. I had like all kinds of different ideas and he's like, great, be an architect. That's, that can absolutely be a helping profession. You can work for Habitat for Humanity. You can, you know, donate some of your time to, you know, to help work on projects that you're passionate about. I mean, so I think I think that would be the other message to leave folks with mm-hmm. is that it, it does, you don't have to have this grand plan. It could be small steps, um, you know, that really add up and make a difference. And also it doesn't matter what your technical profession is. You can always find a way to make it service oriented. And I think that's what we need to keep remembering. And I think that is a perfect closing. <laughs> <laughs> that was Yay! amazing.
0: Thank you so much, Kate. Um, I really appreciate you giving us some of your time and your wisdom. So um, thank you so much. And thank you all thank for you. Um, listening in and tuning in. And we'll have another episode here as soon as I can wrangle another AmeriCorps love to chat with me. <laughs> I have but this some has recommendations been... I'm going to send your way. <laughs> oh, perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you all. Take care. Thank you.